Good morning. It is, uh, I'd like to say it's good to be back, but it's, uh, it's yucky out there. Um, we, did, we didn't come home to a snowstorm, that was good. Um, so uh, for those of you joining us online, my name is Trent Walker, I'm one of the pastors here, and I, I get to bring the Word of God to you today. And uh, there's a, I, I wasn't here this last week, so the uh, projection people don't know of the changes that I made, because I wasn't able to be at the meeting, so give me one second. There's more reading, the projectionist, there's more reading than you're gonna, uh, than you have, so I will try to announce to you, I'll try to remember to announce to you when it's time to put stuff up on the screen. We are in the second week of Advent, and we're talking about Zachariah's song. Just so you know, that is known as the Benedictus. Um, last week, when Pastor Josh was here, he was talking about the Magnificant, um, the Benedictus. All that means is that's the first word of Zachariah's song. It's the uh, Hebrew to Greek and Greek to Latin and Latin to English translation. So Benedictus just means bless you, Lord, our God. Um, so when you hear a benediction, it's a blessing. It's a good word from God or it's a good word about God. That, that's what this is called. But to give us some background on this song, I'm going to read to you the story of J John the baptizer, uh, his birth being foretold. Now, if you were at the at Gather at Community that Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago, Corey uh, preached on the first part of what I'm going to read today. They did a great job. Um, I do want to uh, do want to acknowledge the fact that he noticed something I've never noticed really, and that is that when people are old in the in the, in the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, they're not old. They're quote unquote well along in years. <laughs> so for all of us here today that I'm nearing 60 that are well along in years, there might be some uh, there might be a little humor in this passage for you and for me. So let's pray together, and uh, we'll get started on this, the John the Baptist, be, his birth being foretold. Lord, we bless you. We thank you. We praise you for who you are and for what you do, for what you've done, and that you're faithful to your promises of what you're going to do. So Lord, this is your message for us, not my message for them. I pray that you, even in the scripture reading, that you speak to us. Later, when there's prayers for God's people being offered, that you join us. And in our singing, that, you, that you're pleased by our praise. So stand in my shoes, give me your thoughts, and speak with my mouth so that we hear only what you want to tell us. We see only what you want to show us. And we receive only what you want to give us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So just sit back and listen to this story. I know you know it, um, but the birth of John the Baptist foretold. Uh, this is verse 5 in chapter 1 of Luke. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of, the, uh, of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. That's the priestly class. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing the Lord's, all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. 
And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will, he will bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Now, I just got to pause there just for a moment. Now, if the angel had shown up and said, don't be afraid, by the way, your wife's going to have a baby, and that was it, I can understand why Zachariah would go, well, huh? How can that? I'm old. My wife's well along in years. Um, but he was the angel was very specific. He went on to say, "Okay, this is this is who this is how it's going to happen. This is what you're going to name him, and this is who he's going to be. This is what he's going to do. And many will. Tr- I I would hope, probably not, but I would hope that if I get that kind of specificity from an angel, angel while in the temple in the holy in the holiest place." That, that, that I, would, I would take it seriously and not question. But he didn't. He might have he hoped, he might, but it was, it's kind of one of those, it might be one of those things where you're like, man, I want this to be true, but how can I know for sure? If you think back to Gideon, remember the, the, the judge Gideon, how many times he put out a fleece for God, how many times he doubted, how many times he needed proof, proof, proof that God was actually Working, I don't think that Zechariah is a faithless man. It tells us here that he obeyed all the commandments and regulations blamelessly. <clears throat> but there's something about no matter how faithful you are, how well you know God, how, how well your, your, your life of discipline in the faith, there's something about it when God decides to either to bless, but sometimes blessings feel like something that's not according to to the plan or the ideas that you already had worked out in your mind of how things were going to go. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed in so long, stayed so long in the temple. When, when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept make, making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When this time when his time of service was completed, he returned home, and after this, his wife became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Now, I'm just going to make one little anecdotal comment here. It just says, when his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, 
his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. Now, some things about what happened to Zechariah. He was stricken mute, and we find out in a little while, he also couldn't hear. So, i got to be delicate here. Men, you go home, you can't speak or hear. How are you going to have this conversation with your wife? She's well along in years. And I'm, look, I'm getting near 60. My wife is just a little bit older than me. I always say that to her. I married a cougar. Um, I'm 57. I'll be 58 in February. Lynn will be 59 in May. Um, if I came home from a worship service and couldn't speak and couldn't hear and, and, and tried to with, now we, I got an iPad. I, I don't, Lynn does. I got a phone. I've got a computer. I've got paper and pencil. There's all kinds of ways I could communicate to her. But they had wood with wax on it. And he had to go home and somehow communicate. to My wife would say, you stay away from me. Don't come anywhere near me. Okay, she's not feeling disgraced because she wasn't barren and all that kind of thing. But let's just humanize this for a moment. How did that conversation go? Because it's one thing, truly, it's one thing to not be able to speak. And many wives might like that. Just listen to me. But he can't do that either. So how does he communicate to his wife this miraculous moment so that they can be joined together and accomplish or participate in the work that God wants to accomplish? There is a human element to every time God acts. Once humanity was created, he uses people to accomplish his works. Now, there are miraculous interventions, this being one of them, but he, he met through an angel that stands in the presence of God. He met a priest, and he told him that your son is going to be in the spirit of Elijah. He's going to prepare the way of the Lord. Many people will come back to the Lord and, and because of you, and we'll find out in a minute that he's going to preach the repentance of sins and call people back to the Lord, which we know this story. But God chose to use a faithful but flawed man and a faithful but flawed woman to accomplish God's desire, not just for these two, this couple, but for humanity as a whole. Now, we hear some other things after this. Um, Mary and Elizabeth come together, and, and they, they, they meet one another. John the baptizer leaps in, her, in, in Elizabeth's womb when, when, when Mary, who is pregnant with the Messiah, um, appears, and then the birth of John the Baptist. And when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and, she, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he's to be called John. They said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father. Now, this is why we know that he was not only mute, but could not hear, because they're making signs. They're using sign language or some kind of gesticulation to communicate what's going on to Zechariah. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name 
is John. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was loosed and he began to speak, praising God. Now, there's a, another parenthetical thing here before we hear his song or, or, or this, this psalm. Uh, the neighbors were all filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. And then the song, which should be up on your screen here, his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Just want to give you a, a little nugget when you read scripture. The New Testament, if you, if you see the words in English, filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, some will argue that that's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Others will argue there are lots of different uh, baptized with, by, in the Holy Spirit. But this is different. Every time in the New Testament you hear that someone is filled with the Spirit, it is always that God gives someone a special revelation in a moment to give, bear witness and testimony to the person of Jesus Christ, who he is, what he's done, or what he's going to do. Um, you see this, Mary was filled with the Holy Spirit. You see this time and time again that people are filled with the Holy Spirit. God gives them the words to say to testify about the person and the work and the coming of the Messiah, the salvation for humanity. So he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied. And you would think he's going to mainly talk about John, and he does, but praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us. In the house of his servant David... As he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, so first it's a testimony about God and about the horn of salvation, which is Jesus and you, my child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord and prepare a way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun, and he's not talking about the celestial body, he's talking about light coming to the world. This is this, the, the rising sun is, is a reference to the Messiah. And I just lost my place. People and knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins because of, of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. Now there's a lot in this psalm this song, this, this, these words from God through Zechariah. And I want to I wanna highlight a couple of things. Um, some of what he starts with, he's going back and he's quoting some of the psalmists. He's quoting some of the prophets. And it, it, it seems like there's a theme in the first part that God is going to rescue his people from Rome. That 
That's the idea, the understanding of who the Messiah would be. He would come in and he would be a military leader. You see this when it says the horn of salvation. That's the idea of, a, of, a, of an ox that has these, these really strong horns that can fight off enemies. It's also that when you go into battle, they had a shofar and they would, they would, they would blow a horn. So there's, there's some military imagery here. The horn of salvation that God is going to come and he's going to deliver us from our oppressors. Did that happen in the life of Jesus? The 33 years he was walking this planet, he called some people out. He said some, he said some very true things to some of those who were in power, but his primary concentration of what he said and who he ministered to, yes, there were the people in the Decapolis, the, 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 the pagan people. Yes, there was the woman in, in Samaria, um, but by and large, it was to those who had been called God's people. And John the baptizer went almost exclusively to those who have been called God's people. And what did he call them to? Repentance and cleansing, the baptism for the forgiveness of sins. So yes, Zechariah is quoting the prophets, and yes, Jesus came to make all things right, to deliver his people, but not primarily politically, not primarily physically. When you see here that he talks about God's great mercy, God's mercy isn't just what God feels, it's how God acts. And it says here, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. I want to I'm going to go back and, and read to you what that oath is. Now, biblical scholars, they're kind of the same oath, but there's two different times, two very specific times that God makes an oath. He makes a covenant in Genesis 15, but in Genesis 12, he makes an oath to Abram, and in Genesis 22, after Abram isn't actually required to sacrifice his son, God makes a promise, an oath, swears an oath. So I'm just going to go back to those two, to, to Genesis chapter 12 and to Genesis chapter 22, so that you see God, remember, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and the, the hope of Zechariah and the people of Israel is expressed through the prophets that, that we're going to have this political redemption, we're going to be delivered from our enemies and all those who hate us, because God wants us to be able to serve in righteousness without fear of, 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 of complication and interference from, from, from the world, so to speak. All that is true. But Genesis 12 says this, the call of Abram. Where did that, where was that? Something back there? Okay. I did, did you hear it or is it just my hearing aids? Okay. All right. Thanks. <laughs> the Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land that I will show you. This is in uh, Genesis chapter 12, the first few verses. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And then Genesis 22, something very similar, right after, um, right, I mean, he's just about, he's just about to stab his son, and, and Abraham, yes, my Lord, don't touch the son. Don't, don't, don't lay a finger on him. The angel of the Lord called out to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, 
I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Now we know the Christmas story. We know that Jesus came wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. We'll talk about that a little bit next week. We know that he came to save us from our sin. But like the Israelites, sometimes we think that God is going to deliver us from that which we do not like. But what God came to save us from, honestly, is from that which we do like. We like sin. We're supposed to hate it but we really don't. I was watching a, a, a comedy special by Jeff Foxworthy yesterday. He was at a, a Be Bold for Jesus conference, and he's like, I don't like, I don't really like doing comedy for Christians because they all have to look next to him and say, is it okay if I laugh at that? Was that, is that, am I allowed to be, was that allowed to be funny? Because um, we, we kind of have our, you know, we want to make sure everyone thinks that we're being faithful. But one of the things that that, that he, he was saying yesterday is pretty simple, that we get caught up in judgment. And I don't mean that God is judging us. That is, God's going to do that. And he's doing that all along in our lives. But sometimes we sit back and our hindquarters fit the seat of judgment very, very well. And we look at people whether they're people that we agree with politically, whether they're people that we agree with liter- uh, uh, religiously, whether it's people that we disagree with, either way and all, all, everywhere in between. And man, are we good at seeing their flaw. Now, I know it's strange to, for a pastor to stand up and say that Jesus came to save us, to deliver us, to redeem us from that which we like. But he did. Because the natural human tendency is to hate God and our neighbor. But he came so that his people would be a blessing to all people on the planet. How are we doing? Are we encouraging? There was a, um, the founder of Chick-fil-A. again, from Jeff Foxworthy yesterday, the first Chick-fil-A was in the town that Jeff Foxworthy grew up in. And the manager, the owner, used to, I mean, Jeff was always going there and used to talk to him. And he, and he said this one time to, to Jeff Foxworthy, he goes, you know, how, you know how to tell when someone needs encouragement? No, sir. They're breathing. How, how and I'm not being a jerk. How are we doing? Now, we've talked about a calm, unshakable confidence that Christians should have because we're secure in our salvation. We do, there's nothing that this world can do to me that can change what God has already done for me. But are we full of joy? Are we a people who believe that God is going to keep the oath that he swore from the beginning of time that all people of the world will be blessed 
Now, that's an easy thing to think in general terms, but I'm going to tell you a story about something that happened Friday night, and she'll be mortified. Lynn, are you in the room? No, one of the other services, she's going to look at me. So we're in Midway Airport. We have a five-hour layover. So we, I sat in the same seat, and I heard the speech that the lady gives from Southwest um, four different times, because we were here, and there's three different flights before ours. And I'm listening to some podcasts. I'm playing solitaire on my phone. And Lynn goes, do you want to go for a walk with me? And we've learned over time that if she says, do you want to go to a walk with me, on a walk with me, I have a, I have a choice. If she says, will you please go on a walk with me, I don't have a choice. So she said, do you want to go for a walk with me? I'm like, nope, I'm good. I'm in the middle of my podcast. I'm really enjoying this. And, uh, and I'll watch her stuff. So she gets her purse and she goes, I said, how long, how long are you going to be gone before I should worry? About half an hour. I've got my phone. Okay, so she goes. I'm tuned in. And I realize that it's going to be about 2 o'clock in the morning when I'm driving home by the time we get back. So um, I send her a text. Would you bring me a cup of coffee with some cream? And 20 minutes later, I see her walking up with a young man, um, 30 years old. And she's pointing at me. And she doesn't have a cup of coffee. So that's what's in my head. What, you don't check your text and you're flirting with some 30-year-old? Oh. <laughs> so she comes up. She goes, that's my husband, and um, I want you to meet him. And so he's on the phone for a moment. So she comes over and he goes, okay, this is his name. I'm not going to tell you his name, but this is, I'll just call him, I'll call him John because that's who we're, um, his name is John, and I, I saw him in, 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 the, in the area there, and he was just weeping. So I walked up to him. And, start, and then by that time, he gets off the phone, um, and he comes over, and he's a little glassy-eyed, a little teary, and Lynn um, kind of tells me his story. So he was in the airport crying. Now, his background is he has a fiance, an ex-fiancé in Las Vegas. Um, he's in Midway. He's from uh, northern Indiana, and he had borrowed his dad's car to go to the airport because he drives a big truck, and it was a, it's a longer drive, and so his dad had let him use his car. And when he was coming into the airport parking, he was looking down to, to see a message from his girlfriend, and um, he hit another car um, with his dad's car, and he was just freaking out. Like, how am I going to tell my dad? How am I going to tell my dad? How am I going to tell my dad? So he's, he's crying, and Lynn walks up to him in the airport and says, are you okay? And he says, nothing is okay. And she said, can I pray for you? My blessed wife. And he says, please do. Will you say the Lord's Prayer with me? And they, in the middle of Midway Airport, my wife is standing with a young man, 30 years old, praying the Lord's Prayer aloud. And then he, I get introduced to him, and he's like, I, I, don't know what to, I don't know what to say to my dad. I, don't know. I mean, I've been sober for, for 90 days, and he's going to think that I was drinking. And, da, 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 da. and so Lynn goes off somewhere else, and so now I've got the guy. And, but we're like, tell me about your dad. He's a good guy. Okay, so call him. And it's better, man, if you, the longer you wait, the worse it's going to be. And then we go through this whole thing. I said, now, granted, if he might be man first, like you did that to my car, but five minutes later, he's going to be dad. He might be dad first. And so we, we have this little conversation. And I said, I'm going to watch your stuff. That's your backpack. Go call your dad. 
So he goes over, and I can see him walking around. He's not on the phone yet, not on the phone yet. About five minutes later, I see him pick it up. He's talking to his dad. Ten minutes later, he walks back, leans back by me, and this man, this young man, is just beaming with joy. I said, how did it go with your dad? He goes, he was a dad. Now, why tell you this story? To brag on my wife? A little bit. But all people on the planet will be blessed. That's the oath that God swore. And if you think that God needs to deal with the body politic before there's any joy or peace or hope or encouragement offered to other people, you are wrong. In the name of Jesus Christ, I am telling you, if you're waiting for that before there's any peace in the world, you're wrong. You can be an encouragement. You can bring hope. You can bring joy. You can be the oath that God has promised in someone's life. In Midway Airport on a five-hour layover, and I'm, when we're getting ready to get on the plane, I'm like, man, that was long. She goes, yep. But because of John, it seems like it was worth it. That is not the story I plan to end this message with a couple of weeks ago when we picked this passage. But I couldn't avoid it. I couldn't not see it. I could not see. I know that's terrible grammar. There was no way for me to ignore that one person filled with the Holy Spirit decided to take a chance and walk up to another person who's hurting and say, are you okay? And he said, nothing is okay. Now, that man has our phone numbers. We may or may not ever hear from him again. But I, I know one thing for sure. After he had that conversation with his dad, he had to go back to the parking garage because he couldn't remember exactly what the letters were when he was parked because he was in a panic. His dad said, go back, find that out. We'll get a tow truck there, da 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 But he, he walked all the way back, eight gates past where he was, to come back to shake my hand and to give Lynn a hug and thank, us for, thank her for noticing him when he was in a moment of distress. That might not lead that young man to the Lord, but the Lord showed up through a person. Jesus asked that young man, are you okay? Can you be, will you be that for other people when you see someone in need? God, I hope so. Let's pray. Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu. Bless you, Lord our God, King of the universe. You are imminent. You are everywhere. You are beyond our comprehension, but you are intimate. And we pray, Lord, that you express your intimacy, your care for others through us noticing them. Minister to your people and call your people to minister to others. We pray this in the name of Jesus, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen.